Hi, Kay. What did you do this week? So this week I applied for a position as a pharmaceutical sales rep. Are you serious? <laughs> I blame this podcast because <laughs> <laughs> it just appeared before me and I was like, is this a sign? I don't care. I'm doing it. <laughs> That's awesome. I haven't heard anything back. Honestly, it's a lark, so... <laughs> okay it's okay you could I mean you could definitely be Penny from Big Bang Theory oh no I don't want to be <laughs> I think you could though I feel like that would work but um you could also be Gus which would be even better that would be weird though <laughs> if I was Gus if you were the Gus we'd have to change this entire podcast hey does it make me the Sean if I can't wear white or is that just universal mm, I think that's just universal because I have the same problem yeah pen on the white shirt of all things mm-hmm. Oh gosh. All right. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's let's do this podcast. All right, showtime. So this week's episode is season one, episode six. And this is To the Blueberry. Oh yeah, I <laughs> forgot that part. To the Blueberry! Oh gosh, it's a psych rewatch podcast, and today we are on episode six. That's true. Wow, Alexis, you are not earning that Gus title. We took one week off, and I just lost it all. <laughs> Ooh. But yes, I am the Gus, and uh, Kaylee will always be the Sean to my Gus. Heck yes. And so season one, episode six is called Weekend Warriors. Yeah, we do get our flashback. How many times it took me to get the year on this flashback because my peacock kept blocking the bottom of the screen <laughs> for like too long. Girl, I rewind it. I think on my second watch, I think I ended up rewinding it three times to find it was 1986. Yes. And they're so cute little baby Sean and baby Gus. And I think it's a new baby Gus, isn't it? Nope. I looked it up. This is still little Gus number one. Wow. This was the same little Gus that was in the one. Spelling Bee? Spelling Bee. The Spelling Bee. I say that with a ton of confidence, and now I'm questioning myself. But I'm, pr- I'm, I'm, I'm going to say 97% sure that's the I same I don't Gus. even have my phone on me because it was so low on charge after today. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and they're adorable. They're dressed up like little scouts, and Henry is doing his super weird lectures his lectures are weird but the kids are hilarious i love them they are okay i have a number of questions about this (laughs) please yes (laughs) let's start with why are they just eating peanuts i don't know but i enjoyed it i think it's one of those things that's like it's hard to go overboard you don't need a spit cup you're not going to eat too many peanuts it's just i don't know but I did notice that. I was like, what are they eating? Oh, peanuts. And why? It doesn't matter. <laughs> that was question number one. Question number two, why are there only two people in this troop? I don't know. I don't know. Are they the entirety of the troop? Or is this like a special like preparing to do the rocket thing for real? No, because Henry said today we're going to earn a badge or today we're going to earn something by doing exercise number something, 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 something. I'm at a loss, honestly. I was in Girl Scouts when I was young, and we always had a troop of like eight or more. My brother was a Cub Scout, and he always had a huge troop. And in a city like Santa Barbara, you would think that they're with a respected police officer as the yeah, but he's super weird, and he lectures he about weird stuff. So maybe they just like stopped coming. 
You know that's right. <laughs> Let's see. What did he even say? Like, some of these quotes are just so... <sighs> so, big picture, while Kaylee's looking up her quotes, they are about to do a rocket launch. And Henry is about to launch the rocket, and he wants Sean and Gus to run into the woods and find it. Is that how we earn a badge of any kind? Is that that was my next question? No, no, <laughs> it's how you get your rocket back so you can launch it again, I guess. But but aren't you supposed to like build the rocket and then shoot it successfully, and that's the test? Uh, well, I guess they they did do the whole learning of for every action there is an equal but opposite reaction. Yeah, but then also if you lose, you're a low life. <laughs> and if you're a winner, you get, you get an ice a cream sundae. sundae. But if you're a loser, you just get to look on with envy because that's the American way. Yes. Henry. Henry Spencer. <laughs> the things coming out of these children's mouths. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, that's that's just like quintessential Henry right there. Oh, Lord. But the rocket gets launched. It heads into the woods. He screams, ready, set, go. And Gus and Sean run into the woods to find it. I think Sean is trying to use some of his, you know, not psychic, psychic techniques to try to find it, but was unsuccessful. And Gus ended up finding the parachute of the rocket. They walked back out with the rocket and Henry looked at them and said, that's not, that's not a rocket. Where's my rocket at? And that's when, once again, Henry is a cheating, cheating cheater. And Sean, at this point, little baby Sean does use his detection skills to see that there's a open, like, gate through a muddy road area and that Henry has mud on his pants and shoes. And he accuses Henry of taking a shortcut. And Henry says, a shortcut, huh? Prove it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then looked at Sean and Gus and said, if I get the rocket again this time, I'm eating the hot fudge sundae. And he launches the rocket again. But this time that transitions directly into... Beautiful transition. I wrote that exactly, or I said wrote such a good transition, where it was in my notes, that launched into the battlefield where a Civil War reenactment is going on. This actually sent me down a Google hole to... Were you trying to figure out what Civil War battles were fought in California? Well, because on my second viewing, when I'm, you know, when I was taking notes, I was like, oh, it's just because it's a personal thing for Lassie. They're reenacting a battle that took place in Kentucky or Kansas. I also, uh, Kentucky, I also got that the second time around because the first time around I was like, what the heck kind of battles would have been fought Right, in but California? my thing was... Okay, this is personal for Lassie, but why are so many people into this in California? So I did look it up, and California did have people in the Civil War, but nothing took place in California. But okay, they, like, okay. had just become a member of the Union a decade earlier, and they were like, we gotta preserve this mother effing Union! So they sent people to go fight for the Union in other places. Oh. Which, I was like, oh, okay. But... We were both right. There were no Civil War uh, occurrences yeah. in California, because that makes zero sense. That Ooh. said, Lassiter was dressed in his Civil War outfit with his fake beard and mustache, and it was beautiful. What died on Lassie's face? I don't even care. <laughs> it could be squirrel for all I care. Uh, it was amazing. I do love that steely blue gaze. 
I'm pretty sure Sean does too. We share that. <laughs> but my first thought was, ew, why does Sean's polo have so many buttons? There were like a thousand buttons on this polo. They have two or three buttons tops. These went all the way down to the like his navel, but not oh, the whole way down weird. the shirt. You didn't know <laughs> I absolutely did not notice that. I was too busy trying to find a stinking pineapple. Yeah, trust, babe. I've got screen grabs. Okay, I'm looking forward to this because, spoiler alert, maybe, kind of, not really. I could not, for the life of me, find the pineapple. I went so far as to ask, because you and I had agreed not to Google it. I had asked Drew to Google it, my husband. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Drew, do you have any idea where it might be? And so we'll, we'll get to that later. So let's see. Sean and Gus are settling in for a nice little picnic lunch. They've got their snapples. They've got their subs. They're laying down a blanket or two, and they're watching the carnage that is the run-through of the Civil War battle reenactment. This is what they should sell tickets to. Led by Lassiter. And Sean is just way too excited. But Lassie fails to lie to the guys about how bad the run-through has been. Like, and he really gives it to him. And I'm not going to quote it now because I'm going to quote it later. So one of the actors that he's berating is doing this bayonet gag where he has a fake bayonet that's sticking like through his eyeball Mm -hmm. that he has kind of like headband to his head. And Lassie goes, there are children that are going to be watching this. We don't want to scare them. It was just really funny to see that because it's such bad humor (laughs) <laughs> and I don't think that Psych is known for its bad humor, but that was a big moment for me of like, worth it. Mm. Mm. But then a lady comes waltzing up and Lassie starts laying into her because she missed her cue. She's supposed to come out after the fifth cannon boom and shoot some dude off a horse. And then the dude that she was supposed to shoot off the horse has also missed his mark. And Lassie's like, how will anyone know what's supposed to be going on? And he goes down the hill to berate the guy who missed his mark and falling off the horse and the guy's not moving and he's really committed to this role except he's not <laughs> lassie yells at him then he's dead that's what my notes say <laughs> i got some names though dead guy this time his name is nelson poe yes i wrote that down too because i love the last name poe it's a good last name and the young lady that you were talking about who was supposed to shoot him Her name is Sally Reynolds. And that's her actual name, not her Civil War reenactment name. Her name sounds like an old-timey name. Sally Reynolds sounds like something from, like, the Revolutionary War. She helped sew the flags or something. (laughs) So our next cut... Just weird, weird side note. There's a huge controversy on whether or not Betsy Ross actually was the one who sewed the flag. Oh, 1,000%. Because once something becomes legend, it's no longer... A true thing. (laughs) It's now just a legend. It should be noted, though, that my family, how do I do this without giving away personal information? Part of my family happens to be a Ross. And in the Ross history, we absolutely claim Betsy Ross and we claim her as the first woman to to sew the American flag. Oh, girl, you would. (laughs) We absolutely do. You and Gus and Lassie can all hold on to your family legends. Yep. We cut to, we're in, at the SBPD because, oops, an actual dead guy on the battlefield. 
And Sean really wants in. He's literally telling Lassiter, let me in, let me in. He's like, I was drawn there psychically. I was supposed to be there. And <laughs> Lassiter's like, you've been there every weekend. Don't think I didn't catch you throwing M&Ms into the fallen soldiers' mouths. <laughs> While they're walking by, Sean just happens to glance around because, you know, that's what Sean does. And... He sees the coat of Nelson Poe, and he can tell that the bullet had gone straight through his heart and had an equal size entry wound and exit wound. That's important to know. Like, what isn't important to know, apparently, in this episode, but what I noticed both times I watched it was there's clearly a downward trajectory if he was shot through his front into his back so later like just in a minute when they start to say we believe he was shot off his horse and it was an accidental live round and i'm like how can you be shot off a horse by people on a battlefield if you're at the higher point and it had a downward right. trajectory i'm sorry i'm doing their work for them i'm doing sean's work for him. <laughs> <laughs> i gotta stop they're in the war room which is not i, I called it a war room because i thought that was punny um, they're in the war room with all of the reenactors, and Chief Vic is briefing everyone about the situation and ultimately decides that for the time being, the reenactment is still on. They're ruling it an accident for the time being, barring any other evidence. There's also a diorama of the entire battlefield and everyone's placements and everything like that behind Lassie and Chief and everything. There's a really funny moment where Chief like insists that Lassie take off his face wig. <laughs> and he rips it off and then he just hands it to the chief she's like very mommily takes it from him <laughs> why would you hand it to her i mean come on that's funny humor that's not cheesy humor to me so, I like <laughs> so sean is creepily staring at i kept calling her not jules but sally reynolds although she sure does look a heck of a lot like juliet that's what i'm saying yeah like yeah. they did a good job casting that part when we move further along in the episode. Okay. <laughs> Mahoney, who is a captain in the war reenactment, I think? Yes. He's a captain, I think, for the uh, other side, the um, for the Confederate side. Yes, he and is. And right. he is a town jeweler, and he's like uh, uh, antiques. He's basically like the who's who of who knows the old-timey stuff. So, like, he's got the old stuff. He knows the old stuff. He's also the ammunitions expert yeah, yeah. of the group. And he shares with the entire group that they had been having live round practice in the previous weekend. And he thinks that a musket ball likely just ended up in a weapon. And then somebody accidentally shot Nelson Poe. He pretty much said, it's not a big deal. I, it was a total accident. It was a tragedy. Those were his words. But the entire time... Sean and Sally are just oogling one another. Yeah, there's vibes. I couldn't come up with a better word than oogling because that's what they were doing. Super duper. He even accuses her of staring at him. It's very funny. I mean, I think it's clear and he makes it clear later. Like, <laughs> he's like, oh, I got to impress this girl that I've been playing footsie with in the back of this war room. So they're saying it's an accident and Sean does a little spectacle thing and he runs up and he takes... Nelson Poe's little man from the diorama and he's listening to the man on the teeny horse speak in his ear and he says Nelson speak up you're teeny Nelson Nelson you're gonna have to speak up <laughs> you're teeny 
He says people don't get shot through the heart on accident. He says he was murdered. Dun, dun, dun. And then he starts spouting things because Chief is like, shut that was privileged information. And instantly Lassiter's like, I didn't say anything. And it's kind of like, well, then how does he know? Wink, wink. Lassiter was listing off reasons why it was likely an accident. He went one, he said something, two, he said something. And Sean goes, we're going to assume that this was an accident? But three, what about the missing bullet? Because they still haven't found the bullet. And that was the privileged information. Oh, right, because it was like a straight through and through shot. And so Chief says, you're hired. Exactly. Because he knew things he shouldn't. (laughs) So we go back to the battlefield. And Sean and Gus are doing a walk and talk, and it's sort of like, oops, I got us a job. They find out that nobody liked Nelson. Apparently, but Sean loves a girl in nurse's garb, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> They're sitting there talking. They're listening to Lassiter brief the team about what's going on and how it happened. Lassiter ends his kind of like recap with the team, and they all stand up straight and salute him. Because most of them are in the reenactment, so. Right. Sean and Gus think that's hilarious. He walked up and said something along the lines of, for your edification. I love that. They were like, what? What? What is edification? And public edification? Is that allowed? Public edification? <laughs> I had no idea. It meant for your information. It's not very funny. And I like learning things in psych, like the name of the pole thing. Oh, shoot. Now I forget what it was called. I don't remember what it was called the, from the Dead Husband episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dang, we didn't learn anything from Psych Kaylee. We didn't learn anything. No, you called it something else, too. You said in the theater you called it a... Uh... We called them standards, yeah. And I don't remember what the actual name was because, as I said, nobody knows that word. Nobody knows that word. <laughs> Lassiter just swears up and down that this was an accident. This was not a murder. He says... And if it was a murder, we'll hold a press conference and you'll get to say, I told you so. Are you going to look it up? I'm looking it up right now. Stanchion. A stanchion. There it is. <laughs> oh my is. god. We've learned nothing. <laughs> we have. No. Okay. So uh, for your edification, it, it was called a stanchion. Okay. Back to the episode. They're back in the psych office. And Sean just said... I don't think that he thinks that this is an accident, referring to Lassiter. Yeah. And he refers to this list of names that he saw on the back of one of Lassiter's kind of like clipboard things. Yeah, so he spends all this time with a really cool musical overlay. Let me just say, I dug it. It's sort of really... (laughs) (laughs) But he's recreating the... um, diorama of the battlefield like to perfection from memory and i mean even gus is really impressed at this like little he-man characters and little (laughs) army guys but he does it on an air hockey table well right because he can use dry erase markers when did they get an air hockey table sometimes i think it's an air hockey table and sometimes i think it's like a foosball table but i feel like they just have random stuff in their office all the time so I kind of remember a foosball table. Yeah. And I guess I guess they make like those two in ones that can like shift and stuff. So we could argue that that was the case, but shall we try to pay attention to that maybe? Cuz I okay. honestly I I want to see how it evolves cuz we know the office does evolve. Yes. Okay, I can get behind that. 
All right. So part of this is Sean says, oh. we know. Oh. oh, what is it? Gus asked him what he was building. And he said, you said you saw that for like two minutes. And Sean goes, yeah, two whole minutes. Like it was no big deal <laughs> yeah. that after two minutes, he had put together a diorama of 35 people. But he says at this point, like, he's got this little circular, like, diameter thing, and he's using this because he says muskets are accurate at about 30 yards, or to about 30 yards. And I was like, good to know. I wonder if I'll retain that information. But (laughs) (laughs) so he's trying to see, like, what fell within this 30-yard radius around this guy. And one of the names from Lassie's clipboard... Oh, George Cheslow. (laughs) Little Georgie Cheslow? (laughs) I wrote it down and I have a fun fact. I paused the episode there to write down my notes and I got a little fun fact from Amazon that I want to share with you. Okay. All of the names on that list, except for George Cheslow, are actually names of crew members that worked on Psych. Of course they are. Isn't that cute? Isn't that a nice little That's fun adorable. fact? That's um, adorable. But George Cheslow is played by... A- some guy whose name I don't know, but I know him best as Barry Kripke from The Big Bang Theory. Oh my god, that is Barry Kripke. Yeah, or as Jimmy DeMeo from Speechless. Those are my two. Cool. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a really well-known character actor. He's been in a lot mm-hmm. of uh, stuff. Um, oh, but he's a dentist in this episode. He is dentist, yeah. little Georgie, little Georgie Cheslow. Little Georgie Cheslow from sixth grade. Okay, so <laughs> I vaguely remember the psychologists are in episode about this episode, and they had this guy on the show. They had George Cheslow as their guest. Oh. And it was really funny because of one of the next, like, one of the lines in the scene with him. He's, <laughs> they go to the dentist office to creep on this guy and snoop around, and they both go, and then when the lady calls for Gus, he's very confused. Because why isn't Sean the one with the appointment? But Sean's better at snooping. <laughs> what do you mean, man? My teeth are gorgeous. <laughs> so so poor Gus is in the dentist chair mumbling through his... What is that? The um Gauze? No, he has that, that plate in his mouth. I think it's the oh, um, fluoride treatment. Open. Yeah, yeah. So he's getting his fluoride treatment and he's trying to talk regardless. But... The whole time they're in this dentist office, I just kept going, where's the hygienist? Like, the dental hygienist is the one who's doing 90% of this stuff. There's no one around. This dentist is doing all this stuff himself. Very inaccurate. Like, I don't care. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Took me right out of it because I love going to the dentist. I get all the compliments at the dentist. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That is something that you and I are very similar about. (laughs) I definitely have great teeth, and it's like the one doctor I go to, and they're like, oh my gosh, we can so tell that you take care of your teeth. They look so good. I haven't had a cavity since I was like 24, so I'm very proud of myself. I I have all 32 of my teeth. I have all four of my wisdom teeth, and the last time I was there, my dentist said, I could just spend all day in your mouth. Aww. (laughs) Which is really nice to hear from a dentist and really bad to hear out of context. (laughs) (laughs) so i apologize to everyone for what i just did anyway so we're (laughs) george cheslow's trophy wife comes in her name is berlin he said it like twice and it was really weird her name is (laughs) berlin she came in and she is asking 
gosh, I just want to keep calling him Kripke, is asking George Cheslow for money so that she can play tennis and then go to the club with the girls and blah, 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 blah. And if I'm uh, not home, don't wait up. Yeah, because she's the trophy wife. He walked back in and Sean looked at him and said, like, dude, good job. Or how did you get her? Or something like that. Cheslow said, where is it written that the ugly guy never gets the girl? And Sean and Gus both just look at him and go, everywhere, man. That's, yeah, that's one of the lines from this guy's guest spot on the Psychologists Are In podcast, where it was just like, what are they trying to tell me by telling me about this character? Because <laughs> this dude is not heinous looking. I'm sorry. Like, he's short. He's got dark hair. He's got light eyes. Like, it's working for me. I don't... <laughs> They talk about it, then they find out that the trophy wife was ultimately having an affair with Nelson Poe. And that George knows about it, and he says, it's over. It was over before he died. I'm uh, over it. She's over it, I think. Whatever. <laughs> it all seemed like everything was good, everything was weird, and then George Cheslow just starts bumping into things in the dentist's office. He bumps into the light, he can't find the gauze that's in front of him, and... He's super Sean, duper blind. <laughs> yeah, Sean looked at him and popped his little like dentist eyeglasses down on over his eyes and said, "Hey, do you uh do you wear your glasses on the field, on the battlefield?" <laughs> no, Lassiter won't let me. He said it's not accurate for the time, or something along those lines. Sean and Gus just look at each other like, "How would this guy have shot someone through the heart?" if he's blind and he can't wear his glasses on the field. Like he's getting grilled by these guys and he's getting embarrassed about his wife having cheated on him and using him for his money and probably not loving the way he looks. And he's like, he just like, none of that gets a rise out of him. Like it's like he's almost too chill, but like that's just kind of what he seems like as a person. The entire SPPD shows up and Lassiter is ready to arrest George Cheslow. And he points out that they found the letters that his that that Nelson Poe had been writing to the trophy wife Berlin. and the letter <laughs> and a letter where George Cheslow had threatened to kill Nelson Poe, and they ultimately arrest him. But this is right after Sean and Gus are like, "We don't think you did it, man. Like we believe you." As they walk out, Gus said while his mouth was completely numb. You've got the wrong guy. Uh, but he went, you got the wrong guy. And then Sean <laughs> goes, what? Or, or Lassie asked what he said. And yeah. Sean <laughs> said, you've got the wrong man. Because they there know. There are too many people in this scene. You can't. I know. It's just, uh, they're all over the place. <laughs> Never take the fact that I said Lassie, Sean, or Gus correctly. <laughs> Never right. Um, mini yay balls course big hole. <laughs> what the heck did you just say to me? Oh, I got it. <laughs> That's what my notes say. Okay. <laughs> they're back at the they're back at the SVPD. As we talked about earlier, the gunshot left a small hole in the front and a small hole in the back of Nelson Poe's jacket. And that's when he pointed out that minier balls, or musket balls, <laughs> don't create small holes. They create large exit wounds. 
reread what your notes exactly say. Mini yay balls cause big hole. No. Cause big hole. Yeah. Mini yay balls cause big hole. <laughs> and I, I think it, it doesn't actually say mini. I think I must have just put that in there in my brain. It says minyay, but I spelled it M-I-N-Y-A-Y, so I would know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Hence, mini yay balls. <laughs> they decide that whoever shot Nelson Poe must have been a lot closer than they had originally thought. Because from a distance of 30 yards, that musket ball, minyay ball, if you will, would have caused a much larger hole. But the way that Sean brings this to Lassie and the Chief is that he had a dream where he was drinking ice wine with a baby tree monkey. And then he has his, you know, perfect vision of like, how would this be possible? The shooter must have been much closer than we originally thought. And because they don't have a shooter, they don't have a bullet, they don't have any other evidence, they're still keeping Georgie as their main suspect. They ask for a name. And yeah. Sean said, I'll get you a name. And then looks at Lassiter and said, and I'll get you a woman. But at some point, the chief said to Sean, I'm afraid he's right this time about Lassiter. And Lassiter goes, I'm afraid he's right this time. And that's how the scene ends. <laughs> so we move on to the jewelry store and we get another Henry moment. He's buying a vintage gold watch for Sean. It's a pocket watch, which I love. I love this for Henry. I love this for Sean. Nothing I would desire more than a vintage piece of trinket. So, <laughs> uh, It's important to point out that it's actually Mahoney, the guy that we were talking about earlier, who happens to be the person who's in charge of all the firearms for the Civil War reenactment. Right. And it's not his personal pocket watch. He's just the jeweler selling the pocket watch. Correct. <laughs> So he's got this whole inscription going and the price is really high because apparently it's $4 per letter for an inscription. I don't remember what the whole thing was, but he decides he wants to end it Henry Spencer and Mahoney's like... It was, Sean, don't lose this watch, Henry Spencer. And Mahoney just sort of stops as he's writing. He's like, do you think maybe... Adding your last name kind of negates the whole <laughs> sentimentality of the gift. And he's like, okay, well, what would you suggest? And Mahoney's like, mm, love dad? And then it's just like scoffing and like, dude, you know nothing. I wrote in my notes, I love Henry, but his hyper-masculinity is like too much for me sometimes. I think... Just because they happen to be men, it doesn't mean they can't express their love for one another. And that's... He's his dad. Yeah. And I just think... Okay, so when I watch this scene versus the last scene of the show episode that we get, with this scene, I was taking it more like, Henry doesn't like this certain language. It's too flowery. It's clearly not his style. He expresses himself in a different way. Um, and I can appreciate that. Like, there are certain things I just can't get into overused language about. Like, when I hear certain cliches, they grate more than others. So I was, like, on Henry's side. But he cuts out a ton of this inscription. He just, like, throws, he goes, get rid of this, 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 and this. And then he's like, now what's left? <laughs> the inscription now reads, don't lose Henry. It's like, oh, sweet. 
short to the point <laughs> <laughs> the price points a lot better now too i will say that but yeah from i mean that's kind of like a non sequitur to they end up at gus. the pharmaceutical office yeah. yeah all i wrote was like gus and then i was like wait lieutenant crunch is here to see <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I've gotten I've gotten a promotion. I'm now Captain Crunch. <laughs> pop culture reference. Oh, we missed a pop culture reference, but I was going to ask you if you looked it up because I forgot. When Was it about mini gay balls? No, it was about uh, Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh. Uh, when Engelbert Humperdinck is from The Princess Bride. I mean. How did I miss that reference? Humperdinck. Is that, is that the full name from The Princess Bride? Engelbert Humperdinck is... Is the bad guy's name. Humperdink, 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 Humperdink. I'm almost certain about that. No, Eng- Engelbert, no, Engelbert Humperdink is a singer. I mean, really? H- Humperdink is, is the guy from The Princess Bride, but Engelbert Humperdink is a, is a singer. That was a pop culture reference that I, like, didn't. Arnold George Dorsey, mm-hmm. professionally known as Engelbert Humperdink. Huh. Middle of the road balladeer. <laughs> who, who was the? What, Prince, uh, I think above, it's just what, Prince Humperdink. I think you're right. I claim that that's my favorite movie, and yet I got it. I mean, there is a person named Humperdinck. <laughs> so, yes, you are correct. We are with Captain Crunch. And he decides to invite Gus to join him in infiltrating the ranks so that they can be on the ground searching for clues and the bullet and other things. So, so they can eat beans and rotten meat with men of valor. Gus is like, uh, in your mind, with these super by-the-book accurate reenactors, what role would I play? Sean's really not getting it. And Gus has to hit that home a few times before Sean goes, never. It's me we're talking about. Never. And Gus even... I was thinking Glory. I was thinking Denzel. Did you say Denzel? But he's very interested, and suddenly they're going to the jewelry man, who is Mr. Uniform, because he's the collector of stuff. That's what I wrote. Also, Sean says stuff weird throughout this whole episode, and I wrote down lots of times. Um, I'll try to bring them up in the future. They're at the jeweler trying to get Gus his uniform for the reenactment where he is going to play Denzel. <laughs> I stopped it and I made Drew watch it with me because he's seen Glory before. And I was like, is this really what Denzel wears in this movie? And Drew was like, no. You've never seen Glory? I haven't because I'm not a movie person. Oh, okay. I just feel like I watched it in school at some point. That's why I was like, how did you miss it? (laughs) They end up heading into mahoney's vault which is where he keeps all of his fine jewelry and antique stuff and his antique stuff and all of his civil war stuff there's a moment when sally shows up and she brings gus's uniform and sean just looked at her and said it's a shame you didn't get to dress me sally goes there's still time for that I guess going back to my first gripe about Sean's polo having too many buttons, but from this point in the episode on, it's all buttons all the time. Just like buttons on buttons. So there are these mason jars filled with these brass buttons in this liquid, and Sean's like, what's up with these buttons, man? And Mahoney says, oh, those are for the super hardcores. They soak their brass in urine. And 
Sean just wordlessly puts it back, <laughs> like super <laughs> creeped out. <laughs> they find out that Sally is an insurance salesperson and that Sally has, in fact, insured all of Mahoney's collection. And Sean really wants to, I don't know if he really wants to, Sean really wants to be funny. So he asked if he could insure his legs. He was thinking between three and five million a haunch. <laughs> but I mean, it makes sense. It's like you've got all this valuable stuff and you own a business with all this valuable stuff. Of course, you're going to have like all kinds of insurance out on it because, you know, the risk is real and that's going to be your livelihood, really. Absolutely. But one of the things that Sean points out is that he's insuring a box of C4. And they're questioning whether or not having these explosives is even legal. Then why they have the C4 in the Oh, box. but he's got the easy answer for that. Because the crowd really goes wild at these reenactments when the fake cannon fire sprays them with dirt. That's it. <laughs> Gus sees one of the reenactment guns and starts talking about it in all of these details. And he holds it up and he's like, oh yeah, this is cool. He ends up finding out that there's something on it and he says "Ooh, sticky mahoney was like oh yeah it gets kind of dirty out on the field no big deal don't worry about it and he wipes off the gun and gus wipes off his hands and everything's good and this goes back to like the beginning again when you know gus is spouting off all this stuff and i think something about lassiter's grand great great grandpa's name who was in the civil war and he just knew he's like it was a common name at the time and he's like how do you even know that and Gus is like, History Channel. And Sean is like, dude, ESPN is like this channel. I don't even pay attention because who cares about sports ball? But yeah, so Gus is a big fat nerd. And then we are at the camp out. And Sally Reynolds and Gus and are taking a little stroll. Because Gus really wants a new uniform because his uniform is over the top. It's got a hat plume. And you know what it does. that means. Marching. <laughs> As we both know. Wait, is yeah. that? Yeah, of course. It's like, is that not where That's you were going? Because it's 100% Totally what I was doing. Yeah, so he's taking a walk with Sally, and she loves the marching band. They end up at Sean at their little base camp, and Sean is sitting on an inflatable chair, drinking Snapple, and playing a video game. And Gus said, hey, we're supposed to be roughing it. There's none of that out here. And this is when Sean goes, for your edification, they don't have TiVo out here. <laughs> Call back. And then Sean decides to take a little walk with Sally Reynolds. And I wrote something, but I can't read it. My notes say SNS, Sean and Sally, go the number four, a walk, Mac a little and rolls downhill. I have Smoochie, oops, I fell off the bridge and rolled down a hill. But I, 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 I did write something that I can't read at all. Something Sundhi Drusting name? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what that is. After Sean rolls down the hill, he's more or less in the same place where Nelson Poe was laying dead. And he looked up and he saw a tree. And he kind of thought back to that idea that he had earlier that the person that shot Nelson Poe was much closer than they had originally assumed. And downward trajectory. I'm just going to say it. I called it. And then we're back. At Henry's house and Sean still wearing his Civil War outfit is on Henry's doorstep and he says I lost the watch you gave me he's got Henry's metal detector out on the field also Henry thinks he looks stupid 
they're out on the field with it. Henry's very upset that Sean lost this pocket watch that he gave him for his birthday. And Sean points out that his birthday was four months ago. And Henry said, after you were born, it took you four months to smile at me. That's when the clock started ticking. Wow, Henry. Lot to unpack there. We do not have time. Hyper masculinity, but that's all I'm going to go with. Sean finds a button. Because as Kaylee said, it's buttons and buttons on buttons on buttons. Bum, bum, bum. Buttons. buttons. (laughs) Okay. The other thing he finds is the bullet which is ultimately what he had been looking for the entire time. But his dad did agree that, like, this crime, the way it was actually committed, was not a crime of passion. If you're killing the guy your wife was having an affair with, it's going to be a crime of passion. It's going to have some hallmark of that. It's going to be harder to hide than what George is doing. Sean sticks a pencil in the ground where the bullet's at. (laughs) And we'll get back to that in a second, but okay. Then Henry snatches the metal detector out of Sean's hand, walks away and said, you found a bullet. You need to find the killer. And then he keeps walking and then screams, P.S. You look like an idiot. But he's mad because Sean used the ruse of losing the watch, which he never lost at all, to get access to Henry's um, metal detector because he said Target was out of stock and you don't give anyone permission to use yours. (laughs) Gus brings Lassiter and Juliet to the scene where Sean is in the field (laughs) (laughs) Sean is having a full on psychic moment he just starts screaming yellow all I see is yellow yellow and the number two (laughs) it essentially directs Lassiter towards this pencil that's sticking in the ground. I'm questioning at this point, not only why there would be a number two pencil in the middle of a field, but why it would be sticking like straight up and down in the ground and no one questions it. I mean, there are people all over that field all the time with who knows what in their pockets. And it's just, I just, no one's got time for this because Sean has made this whole spectacle of himself And it doesn't work because a call comes in. There's something in progress. We don't know numbers. I'm sure they're nonsense. 439, although I meant to look up what a 439 was and I didn't. While you continue to talk, I'll look that up. Okay. So it doesn't work. They go away. They're like, yeah, cool. We got the bullet. But this doesn't really change anything because we knew he was killed with this bullet. And so Sean has to face that Henry was right and he needs to find a killer. So next... They're like, let's check out this tree idea of mine. So Sean's going to climb a tree. And then he's up there and they start walking through the crime. Like dude's on his horse, dude falls off his horse and rolls down the hill like he's supposed to. But he's way off his mark. He's right under this tree. He looks up and he sees somebody in the tree. So he's like, okay, so maybe he wasn't even the intended target. Like he just saw the person who was up in a tree with a gun and got killed for his trouble. So it's actually Gus who has the idea, right? Like, look for a notch. Yeah, he's looking for the notch to figure out where the gun is supposed to be. Because it would need a support. Right, was Nelson the attendant target? So Sean's looking around, he's looking around, and we get a really fun pop culture reference here where he's like, nope, not a notch, that's not a notch, that's a notch. And <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get that reference. Crocodile Dundee, that's not a knife. 
<laughs> I did not catch that at all, but that's great. Oh, okay. okay. I looked up penal code 439. Ooh. Every person who in this state procures or agrees to procure any insurance for a resident of this state from any insurance company not incorporated under the laws of the state unless such company or its agent has filed a bond required by the law of this state relating to insurance is guilty of a misdemeanor. And this is specifically penal code 439 for California. 439 is about insurance? It is. Oh my god. They were being so smart with that. Um, the first thing I, that popped up when I googled police call 439 was a Reddit series about this episode of Psych. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay, so we find the notch in the tree, but where it would support the gun pointing is nowhere near where Nelson Poe fell. So he really was an incidental death because he witnessed something he should not have. And it turns out the gun was pointed at the hospital tent, meaning the intended target was... Sally Reynolds. What the deuce? Who on earth would want to kill Sally Reynolds? Like, they have no idea. We have no idea. What the heck? They steal Sally's dress and they call <laughs> Juliet. And they say, you're about to get a frantic phone call from Sally Reynolds saying that someone stole her dress. Just ignore that. And then they share their theory about this person trying to kill Sally Reynolds with Juliet. And they realize that the only option is to have somebody dress up as Sally Reynolds, as the character she's playing, to figure out who is trying to shoot her. Yeah, before they shoot them. And I guess the original plan is for Sean to put on the dress and try to find the killer. But Jules can't let him do that. He's a civilian. And she kind of grabs the dress and is like, I'll do it. And so then we get this great scene where they're trying to zip up this dress on her while she's got a Kevlar vest underneath. They're trying to talk Juliet into being safe. And at one point, Sean said, I want you to bob left and weave right. Traditional bob and weave. No reason to get fancy out there. He also calls her a champion. He literally (laughs) says champion at one point. (laughs) She is trying to stay safe. And finally, she looked at them and said, guys, I, I did go to the police academy. Like, I'm okay. But she's a little bit nervous to walk out of the tent because she knows when she walks out of the tent, there's going to be a gun pointed at her. So she said, guys, I need a favor. Kick me. And then we, the screen cuts to the outside and we see Juliet kind of being kicked out of the tent. <laughs> they look at one another as Juliet walks off and said, now we get ready to find a killer. And they have a little fist bump. Is this our first fist bump of the series or did we have one previously? Ooh, I did not clock one earlier. We're going to call this our first one. And a little later we have another first and I'm very excited about it. Well, actually, a little bit later, we have another fist bump. Ooh. See? I'm, you got to clock I'm those. I did not see those at all. Yep. So, I mean, we're calling these the first ones. I really have no idea. Yeah. To be decided later. They look up, and there's nobody in the tree where they would expect to see the killer pointing their gun at Sally Reynolds. So, the thinking is, did no one come to kill Jules? Was that all put off? And they find a shortcut. They conveniently trip over a sewer grate. <laughs> that's, that's a much better way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so they go through it and then they get out and they're on the other side of the battlefield. They looked into all the Union soldiers 
and where they were during the battle, you know, when the guy got killed, but nobody took into account that it could have been a Confederate soldier because it was the wrong side of the battlefield. But with this little shortcut, it could have been someone from the Confederate side. And they end up right outside this tent, so they go into the tent. After all, this was the bad side, right? You know, that's right. And that's <laughs> like, our first, that, you know, that's right. That's our right. first, you know, that's right. Also, this, this episode is really jumpy because when they were talking to Juliet at the cars about the dress that they stole, you can actually hear, like, the stuff on Gus's uniform jangle because he's jumping up and down, and then they both jump up and down <laughs> at one point, and then when they get into this tent and they start looking around, they find boots. Somebody left without their boots. Why would they do that? And then they find a Confederate, um, like... They call it a tunic. Yeah, I was going to say tunic, jacket, whatever. Yeah. And it's missing a button. Which means it was where the guy who died was. Because that's where the button was found by Sean with the metal detector. And then they go, wait a second, this is Mahoney's jacket. Dun dun. And then they both pause for a second and start doing their happy jumpy dance. Yes, and I think it's the first happy jumpy dance, but it's so very jumpy. (laughs) And then... I solved the crime. No, I solved it. I solved it. Then they hear the explosion, and that is not cannon fire. It's coming from the south. They shouldn't have been expecting to hear a sound from the south. That's when they ultimately fight about who solved it, because one of them talks about it being C4 is the sound, and then the other ones kind of put it all together. They decide that they're going to go confront the bad guy, and Gus said, are we going to go alone? And Sean said, of course not. <laughs> you think I'm crazy? So then we're at the jewelry store, Mahoney's jewelry store, which did we ever get a title for the jewelry store? Not title, a name, like a hmm. no. no. Oh, I didn't. No, me neither. Okay. So Mahoney's in his own vault stealing from himself, the C4 and the whole ruse. It was like to like a stage a robbery, commit insurance fraud, like bruh, that's such a lame crime. Especially to do it yourself. Yeah, to do it yourself, and everybody knows you have the C4, and everybody knows you have insurance on all this stuff, and just, like, you're a sloppy old man doing white-collar crime badly, and then murdering people on top of it? Like, you're so... He's so dumb. He's such a bad criminal, and someone had to die for this nonsense? Sean and Gus catch him in the act, and Mahoney pulls out his gun. And Sean and Gus throw their arms up and start walking backwards, and then you just hear everyone's rifles go (laughs) because the entire regiment is there with their bayonets like pointed at Mahoney. And Sean says to Lassiter, Colonel, arrest this traitor. (laughs) We're back at the SBPD and Gus is hypnotizing Sean with the gold pocket watch. (laughs) And he's giving his psychic walkthrough of the crime. They decide that it was insurance fraud and that he had staged the explosion to be covered by the sounds of the battle so that he could break into his own vault and steal from himself and then get the insurance money and then still have everything else. But something that I thought was completely unnecessary is that Sean implicates Sally Reynolds into the crime, saying the reason that she was going to get murdered was not just because she knew all about what was actually insured for what and could have exposed his fraud, but no, no, apparently she was in on the fraud and he just didn't want to share. So it's like, did she have to be a criminal too? Like, I don't feel like that was necessary. (laughs) (laughs) Gus looked at Mahoney and said, oh, ye man of little fiber, you should really eat more bran. That was Sean. You said it was Gus. Dang flabbit. (laughs) 
every stinking time. At one point, Gus actually goes, now hold on a minute, Mr. Mahoney. And I was like, oh, he's so polite when he's about to, like, rip you a new one. I love it. <laughs> Chief Vic tells Juliet to arrest Sally Reynolds for being part of the fraud and then looked at Juliet and said, lose the hoop skirt before you hurt someone. So they congratulate Lassiter, Sean and Gus, after, you know, all the bad guys start to walk away. And he's like, yeah, we did a good job. They said, we got him. And Lassie said, we... Like, I wasn't really part of that. And Gus is like, yeah, we're a team, right? And then they both salute Lassiter, which is hilarious and a little bit demeaning. And Lassiter just looks sad. Aww. Like, I don't know if you got that vibe, but I felt like Lassie was just like... Dis- he didn't solve it, and it kind of interrupted his reenactment, and... Sean beat him again, but is mm-hmm. giving him pity credit. Like, I feel like that does hurt his feelings he's like not only did i lose but you guys are insisting on giving me credit that i didn't earn and it tastes bad Mm -hmm. like that's very much on brand for lassiter he comes around eventually but especially in this first season he very much is like no i don't want to deal with you i don't want to worry about you i don't want your help Like, why are you part of my life? Well, that and I feel like in this season, there's an episode coming up like that this is a lead into. We're seeing some of the personal side of like what Lassiter is dealing with internally and he's not talking about it with anyone. So, I mean, I think we're going to get a little bit more into that, too, because the man is in Civil War reenactments. Like what personal life? (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's a police officer. He's a he's a detective. Who happens to also be in Civil War reenactments. Like, he's got plenty of time, I'm sure. (laughs) We get an uncanny end-of-episode flashback. Yeah. Where we head... Sorry, it's the Scout Boys. We head back to the Scout Boys, right. And this is where I wrote down some of the stuff, because I was going through so much of the episode so many times, triple and quadruple checking for pineapples, that I just decided to write down the beginning... Henry was asking them about, like, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. And, you know, Gus answers that that's Newton's third law of physics, or of motion. And he asks Sean, how does this pertain to humans? Sean says, um, as far as, like, the third law of motion, for people this means they push, you push back. And And then they philosophize just a little bit more. We do get this weird little tail end flashback to the little scout boys, and they're having this cute heart-to-heart, but it's about Sean and his dad. But Sean asks it in the cutest way, and he's like, do you ever think I'll be as cool as you are, Gus? (laughs) What does Gus say? He's like, you're better at something than me. This is terrible. I can't remember. He's like, that's not what I asked. I'm I'm going the wrong direction in my notes. Hold on. Okay. After the the la do you will ever be as cool as you? Gus looked at him and t- talking about Henry, and he said, "Well, well, he might like me, okay, but he loves you." And Sean just said, "Did he actually say that?" <laughs> and they have another moment of like, oh, "I mean, no, but it's it's implied, right?" And then they get up to a pipe of some sort I guess yeah I don't know what it's called my cousins and I used to play in them but it's like it's like a little mini tunnel it's yeah it's almost like a drain tunnel they just scream like, charge! charge and run into it and it's so adorable 
And that's the end, and it's very cute. So, as you noticed, friends, we never did spot a pineapple. No, pineapple hunt fail because I'm so ashamed. I did try to look it up because I watched it like two and a half times. And I mean, you looked it up by proxy, but what is ostensibly agreed upon to be the pineapple is not. And I have the screen grabs to prove it because everyone thinks it's the Snapple bottles at the beginning and friends Pineapple Snapple is not brown, it is yellow. And the label that Sean has conveniently faced out for product placement purposes <laughs> clearly shows that it is lemon tea Snapple. Yep. And it might be in another language, honestly, because it looks like the front under the picture of the lemons, the words say T-H-E something, so it might be a different language, but it is pictures of lemons and it's the tea bottle and it, it just is. So my theory is that no matter what they did, the pineapple scene ended up on the cutting room floor or the moment where the pineapple was supposed to be mm. because I 100% believe there was one at one point. Like, I just do. But I think in later seasons, it's going to be everyone on the same page about keeping the pineapple in mm -hmm. the episode. So Yeah, and the argument has been made that they say that it's in almost every episode. Mm. they don't make the swooping statement that it is in every episode. Because so. if there's no reason to keep a scene except that there happens to be that pineapple moment, like that's not a reason to keep a scene that should be cut. Right. So this episode sadly does not have a pineapple fight me. <laughs> because yeah, I no, if so close. If anybody out there knows of the pineapple in this episode, please email us at to the blueberry podcast at gmail.com and let us know because not only did we both cheat and google it we both watched <laughs> the episode more than two times to try to find it and i went so far as to actually stop and pause the episode every time someone said oh maybe that's a pineapple oh maybe that's a pineapple and i could not find a significant pineapple Mm -mm, no pineapples. There were a lot of arguments out there besides the Snapple, but the Snapple was the one that people were saying it was, it was and that's just not true. That was lemon Snapple. Mm -hmm. Well, it was. I think it was lemon iced tea Snapple. Yeah, it was lemon tea. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So yeah, uh, I'm sorry, everyone. You don't get to listen to our Pineapple Hunt song. Yeah, that's going to be a glaring omission. I love that freaking song. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. I don't have any other pop culture references, and I think I hit all of my bits including the You Know That's Right, which is our first You Know That's Right, and I'm so happy about that. Yes, I can't believe I missed the fist bumps. The jumping up and down and the You Know That's Right just, like, made my episode, so. Yeah, this is a good episode. I yeah. This is one of those episodes that I thought was later on in the series, and I'm happy to see it's episode six. Yeah, there was not a lot of jewels in this episode. Like, she showed up, but she was, like, very tertiary in this episode, and I missed her. I am glad that we got more Henry. Agreed. Because for Absolutely right now, agreed. like, that needs to build up. And, I mean, endgame is endgame. And it can, you know, it's a slow burn for now. <laughs> well, my friends, this has been... To, to the Blueberry! I'm Alexis, and to quote Sean Spencer quoting Henry Spencer, because man is a stupid creature that would rather fight than use his brain. And I'm Kaylee, and to quote Carlton Lasseter, 
It was a soul-sucking embarrassment that made me ashamed to wear the uniform. <laughs> and this has been to the blueberry. Psych out.